Teaching ELL students is a privilege and a joy. Is it easy? No way. But with the right support, you can feel empowered to tackle each day with ease and confidence. I'm your host, Beth Fauché, founder of Inspiring Young Learners. With over 10 years of teaching both nationally and internationally, I know what it takes to ensure that your ELL students have what they need to thrive today, tomorrow, and for life. I'm on a mission to empower you to equip your English language learners. Welcome to Equipping ELLs. Let's get to today's episode. I want to welcome you to the 100th episode of the Equipping ELLs podcast. This has gone by so fast. I cannot believe, honestly, that we're at the 100th episode already, but it truly has been such a joy to get to share with you something that I'm so passionate about each and every week. And I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for spending your time with me, for taking the time to listen. Thanks. It's really such an honor and a gift and a joy to be able to be here. So I want to thank all my guests that have been on, just some really incredible educators that have shared their wisdom and passion with us. And that's the beauty of this project is coming together and getting to learn best practices and figure out best ways that we can really support our multilingual learners. I also wanted to thank each person that shared a voice message with me about how the Equipping ELs podcast has been helpful to you. It was so encouraging to my heart to hear different ways that you have had takeaways and the practical tips from different episodes and how you've applied that in your teaching is really so encouraging. So if your message is shared during today's show, send us a message at hello at inspiringyounglearners.com and we will send you a special code for one month free to equipping ELLs. Hi, my name is Katie, and I am an EL teacher for K-8 students in Chicago Public Schools. I am so grateful to have discovered equipping ELLs a little over a year ago because my school has gotten an influx of newcomers, and this resource of the podcast and of all the resources available on Teachers Pay Teachers has completely changed my confidence level in being able to meet the needs of my students. I have felt so much less overwhelmed because I feel like I have a guide that is leading me and setting out structures and supports that allow me to know what my next steps are. So I am eternally grateful for Beth and all the resources that she has provided through this podcast and um, the things that she has created. Thank you. I am a new EL teacher and coordinator for my district, and I found your podcast, and it has been extremely helpful to me. My district is a small district. We do very little for our L's in our classrooms, mainly because teachers don't know what to do. So each week I listen to your podcast. I come up with a tip. I've put it into a document that I've shared out with all the teachers and the principals and the assistants, and everyone seems to find it really helpful. It has made me a better teacher. It has helped me um, come up with ideas that I had never thought of before, ways that I could equip my classroom teachers with some strategies in their classroom that are simple and easy to use. So thank you very much. 
and I am getting a ton of feedback across the district. They all think I'm doing a good job. And mainly, I think it's because I'm listening to your podcast and I'm getting a lot of ideas and a lot of help from you. So thank you so much. Listening to the Equipping ELLs podcast this summer was the best decision I ever made. I went on a road trip from Alberta to BC and discovered your podcast. It sparked me to join the ELL community, the monthly membership. Last year, I went from four to 45 students over the course of the year. So I advocated for more time. I advocated for more help uh, and I got it. So it was great. But then, uh oh, I needed help planning. So the newcomer resources, the planning tools as well, like everything just saved me. I needed the more resources, more independent centers for we have so many newcomers that join our school, our community, and finding your resources that hit all four domains almost all the time. It, it just saves a whole lot of planning, a whole lot of issues, and a whole lot of time. Our students don't have that much time. I teach high school, so sometimes our newcomers come at 15, 16, 17, and they need to get through and learn English. Canadian content might be different, but teaching our ELLs is the same. So thank you. Thank you so much for saving me. All right, so let's dive in. In honor of our 100th episode, I am going to be sharing my top 10 tips for successfully teaching ELLs. I would love to do 100, but... We might be here way too long if I try to do 100 tips. So I'm taking really kind of looking back at the last 100 episodes. And for those who are new, I know it's always really overwhelming to find a podcast that you're super excited about, but then you see like, wow, there's already all these episodes that I missed. That's at least how I feel. Then I get, you know, a little overwhelmed of where to begin. So this is a great time where I'm going to just recap really the essential places to begin, the mindsets to have, what matters most when you are showing up to support your multilingual learners. All right. So number one, we're going to start one, one to 10. This isn't really count down from 10 to one. We're going to go from one to 10. So number one for most important, most important thing you need to remember is that relationships are key. If you've listened to me for any amount of time, you know that this is something we always come back to because it matters. It really matters. It matters with all of our students. But then when you add in that component of not knowing the language and all of the fear and anxiety and overwhelm and stress that comes from that, this is where it is even more key that they know you are a trusted person, that you are safe, that you are for them, that you are excited, that they are in your class. All of those things will unlock the key to academic language learning. But if we don't take the time to focus on relationships, then we really are missing out on building that connection piece, which is going to help all the other learning to happen. And what I mean by this too is relationships with the parents. Start to implement things like talking points or any other app where you can communicate quickly and easily with parents. We need the parents' involvement with this. So relationship with the parents, relationship with the students. When you are receiving a new student, get to know a little bit of the background of that student. It is so eye-opening to do a little research, you know, on different students that I've had or just even different people I'm meeting and get a little glimpse into what's happening right now in their country. Just a lot of, of things are happening right now. I mean, right now, as I record this in Panama, we've had protest for over a week. 
that have shut down the schools and have really disrupted life for everybody here. And so there's just a lot that's going on that if you can do a quick search and get a good glimpse of seeing, you know, what what is it? Where is it that they're coming from? What was it like there? It helps you to really approach that student with such care and empathy and understanding and meet them where they're at. It helps you to make space for that time where they can share a little bit about what's going on if they feel comfortable doing that. But I think it just really helps us approach them and see, you know what, where they're coming from looks really different than where we're at right now, where I'm living right now, or what my experience has been growing up. So starting there, get to know your students, build those relationships. Number two, body language is the first language learned. So what this means And again, I feel like it's so simple to say smiling is so important, but it really is something that needs to be said because as teachers, I think sometimes we carry this this stress all the time that we run from class to class and looking from pile to pile of stuff and getting organized and just having this sense of hurry and busyness and overwhelm and stress ourselves as teachers. And so sometimes we forget that we need to stop and smile and give off of our our body language that we are welcoming these students into our class, that we are happy that they are there. I remember when I first got my first newcomer, I did not smile because I had no idea what to do. So just not because I didn't want to, you know, build a relationship with the student or meet her. I just was feeling so stressed about how to relate with a student that didn't speak any English that it really showed in my demeanor, in my face, in my expressions, not on purpose. It just was a natural response to not having any idea what to do. So that's just something I want you to really focus on and say, okay, am I smiling right now? Can I can I just put a smile on even if I'm feeling pulled in so many directions, especially when you just first greet those kids as they come into your class? Slow down, look up, make eye contact, smile. Use your gestures when you're talking. All of those things, that body language is key to those first couple weeks and months of them learning a new language. Number three is to start simple and then add on. All right, start simple and then add on. I see this happen a lot of teachers, and I've been guilty of this myself, of just trying to bite off too much. And so, you know, we have these grand plans that we could do this, and I'm going to change and do setters here. And I can cover all of these things. And so we just, we either over plan. So we are feeling rushed to get through everything or we haven't planned thoroughly. So then when the lesson comes, we feel like not prepared and, you know, and then the lesson they get off task or we just feel like it's a waste of time and and we get discouraged about ourselves. And so what I have found is that starting simple, really just going slow to begin is so helpful to you when you're planning and to your students to really gain the frameworks, gain that that mindset of what your class is going to be looking like. Is it going to be just being thrown things at them all the time and they're trying to just keep up with you? Or are you creating a space where they're having a lot of opportunities to talk, to think, to work on thinking skills, to think out loud, to work with groups, And a lot of times, all of these types of things can be done with a picture, a notebook, and a pencil. That can go a really long way. So don't feel like you have to print out all of these things 
and you have to have all these centers ready and you have to do all this technology. Start simple. Just really develop those those areas of your expectations. Develop those opportunities to talk. Talk, talk, talk. Have them talk. We're going to talk about that in a second. But then as you get going, then start to add in those pictures or add in more. Um, Start to develop what you want your weeks to look like, what routines you're going to do. But don't feel like you have to get it all set up from the beginning because each group you work with is going to be different. Each group is going to have different needs. So taking that time to start slow and then add on what you see are the biggest needs for that group is going to help you stick with it throughout the year. That leads us into number four. Oracy is key to language development. Okay, this is something that as I have been doing more and more research lately, I am more and more convinced that if you spend most of your time providing ample opportunities for your students to talk about what they're learning, to really have opportunities that they're listening, they're talking, they're sharing out ideas, they're working on thinking skills, especially when it comes to writing, when our students are developing those skills before they put a pencil to the paper, they're going to get better at writing. But if we are just pushing them right into literacy skills and not giving them a lot of time to share about it and build those communication skills, we are really harming their language journey. Oracy is key to language development. They need to hear it from us and they need plenty of talk time each and every day in the classroom. So I want to challenge you with this. I want to I want you to really observe this week. How much talk time do you have versus how much talk time your students have? And some of you might be thinking, but newcomers really can't talk. That's not true. There's plenty of ways that your newcomers can engage. And we need that's how they are going to develop language skills. And when we think about, you know, the big push for literacy, and sometimes I see a lot of in Facebook groups say, oh, start with ABCs, start with this and this. If our students do not have the vocabulary word bank in order to support what they're learning in literacy, it's going to be a struggle. And that's why when we give plenty of opportunity for them to listen and talk, they will build that vocabulary word bank much faster. And then they'll be ready for literacy and writing skills. But it, we have to really make the space for our students to respond and to talk. And sometimes that might even be in their native language. We're not going to get into that right now, but just throwing that in there. All right, let's keep moving on. Number five, if you don't know where to start, start with a picture and a sentence stem. I get this question all the time. What do I do? Where do I start? What scaffolds should I use? Where are the best to use if I'm a homeroom teacher? And so this really is your easiest place to start. A picture you can do so many things with, and it's so helpful to unlock, especially when you're working on content. You can take one picture, pull out the vocabulary, do all these things with one picture and a sentence stem. Now, all of a sudden, they they can start to talk about that because you've given them that sentence starter. It's really helping remove any blocks that they might have of output. So start there with a picture and a sentence stem. But then I want to challenge and encourage you to keep working on adding in new scaffolds. So once you're feeling good about that picture and that sentence sentence stem, now go and find, okay, what's another way that I can add in a new scaffold? Maybe that's a word bank. There are so many scaffolds out there 
So just start to research maybe, you know, every other week or challenge with your with your teaching partners and say, okay, each of us this month, let's come up, let's research, let's find a new scaffold. We have podcast episodes about scaffolding and let's share this out and let's work on implementing these this month because this really is one of the best ways that teaching ELLs will get easier for you. When your scaffolding toolbox is getting fuller and fuller and you can easily pull out a scaffold on the spot regardless of what topic you're teaching, that's when you're going to be able to feel more confident in showing up for your ELLs because you'll know how to pull something out and apply it to whatever's going on. So this is a really important area that start small, start with that picture, the sentence stem, but don't stop there. The bigger your scaffolding toolbox is, the easier it will be to support on the spot and to plan lessons that support your students easier. That's number five. Number six, celebrate small achievements so that you can help your students continue to move forward in their language journey. The language journey, and I don't think this is talked about as often as it needs to be, but the language journey is a long lifetime journey. There are ups and there are downs. There's days where students, you know, feel really strong and confident and things are flowing. And there's days where it's really frustrating and there's, it just seems like it's, there's a lot of hindrances and things aren't coming as easily. And so we need to be aware of that. We need to know that this is a lifetime journey. They're going to continue to grow in their language because just as any native speaker continues to learn new vocabulary words, right? Continues to learn you know, different things. Like I didn't even realize that there was subjunctive in English until I learned subjunctive in Spanish. So there's new things that we always can learn in our native language or in a second language. And so it's important that we don't see their goal is fluent exited out of the program. Because if that's all we're reaching for, they are going to get lost along the journey. It's necessary and vital that we find ways to celebrate those small wins, that we are really intentional with the goals we're setting so that we can celebrate when they've hit those goals and that they internally can can feel proud of themselves. They can build confidence and that will keep them propelling forward. If they think, well, the only thing that matters is if I pass this access test, they are, they're not going to try. They're disengaged. They have no motivation now to learn. So finding ways that you can Take a look at the future, really challenge them of what are they going to do after high school? What does this look like if you're bilingual and in the workplace? What benefit is that going to be to you? There's so many ways that we can really open them up to see outside of this grade they're in and the importance of what they're doing and how that is going to directly impact their future in good ways. So celebrate those small achievements along the way. Number seven, this kind of goes along with that. And this is the fact that your job is to advocate for your students. There's a lot going on with multilingual learners. And a lot of times they need somebody who's going to stand up for them, stand up for the families, find out what is, what are the laws saying? What rights do they have? All of those things are part of your job. And another big part of your job is to help your students embrace their own story and journey. 
And I think this is something that's shifting and a really beautiful thing that's happening where being multilingual is really seen more and more as a superpower as it should be. And so we want to help our students enter our schools, enter our communities, and not think that they have to leave their language at home. When I was growing up, I can't tell you how many students that I you know, was in class with, in school with, where they would stop speaking their native language because of the attitude of the school, the attitude of the teachers. They were you know, embarrassed that they spoke another language at home. And now many of them are not bilingual. They only know English and they've lost their native language. And that is not what we want. So we really, part a big part of our job over the language learning itself is to really help instill in our students this confidence in their story, in their journey. And this happens a lot by sharing the stories of other people. There's tons of books out there. There's tons of different people you can research, even from the home countries of your students, where they can see someone who's before, who, who's gone before them and overcome things and have come out. And now the impact they're making on their community, on their family, on their world. It's truly incredible. So take that in mind. Sometimes we get so focused on the testing and the, the standards and all of these other things, trying to fit it all in. But really a big part of your job is to really just embrace your students where they're at and give them that confidence to walk in the story that's ahead of them and the journey that they have. Many times here, because I live in Panama, whenever I speak with somebody who has learned English as a second language, I always say, you know, how did you learn it? And I would say nine out of 10 times, it happens because somebody believed in them. Somebody gave them that confidence that they did not have, and it gave them what they needed to go on, to push through, to believe in themselves, to, you know, reach new levels of education that nobody in their family had done before. And it always, nine out of 10 times, came down to a teacher who believed in them. And so that really, don't forget that that is such a big part of your job and such an incredible gift that you are getting to educate the global community right in your classroom. And we don't know how far this reach will go, but it's exciting to think about. All right, number eight is you can't do it all. So be really intentional at the things you are doing. And this is a tough one because there are so many demands being placed on you. And so it's really hard to figure out what is it that you should be doing and what can't you do. And again, this kind of goes back to the last one where you're an advocate for your students, but you also have to be an advocate for yourself. I can't tell you how many emails I've gotten this year from people who have caseloads of over 100 students and are getting more by the week. And I did a podcast episode a couple weeks ago about what to do with that large caseload. But at the end of the day, you need to stand up and say, this is not something that any person, even the most experienced educator, can do successfully. This is not fair for the students, and it's not fair for you. So really be mindful of what are the things that make the most impact on your students and get really good at doing those things and get intentional at those things. And then, you know, there's things, of course, we have duties and we have, you know, additional responsibilities in the school. But anything that you can say no to that is not part of your role and your responsibility, say no. 
because you want to get really focused on the things that make the most impact on your students. I know that's that's easier said than done, but I believe in you because number nine, you are an incredible teacher. You really are. And I don't want you to doubt yourself because of unrealistic demands on you. And you might be thinking, well, this is the top 10 of how to support ELLs. But guess what? Through research, this has been shown that self-efficacy is one of the biggest influences to your student's success. So when you're going into your classroom and you're feeling doubtful about your skills, you're feeling doubtful about the lessons you're planning, you're feeling doubtful about, you know, all these other things, that directly impacts how successful your students will be. So I want you to hear this, that you are an incredible teacher. If you are taking time, your own time, to learn how to better show up for your students, that shows that you care, that you want to do what's best for them. So don't doubt that. Don't doubt that you are able to give your students what they need. Are there going to be tough days? Are there going to be times where it's confusing and you're not sure? Yes, of course. But at the end of the day, the biggest thing, like I said, when I speak to and share and, and listen to the stories of many ELLs that I encounter, it's that teacher who believed in them. It's not because of some incredible lesson that transformed them and then that, you know, led them on this path. It's the relationship. It's a teacher who believed in them and wouldn't give up on them. And that is what has transformed their lives. So at the end of the day, if you are working on building those relationships, on supporting your students where they're at, on giving them a voice, on meeting their language needs, that is incredible. And so I want you to know how incredible you are and how much of a difference you are making in this world. And then number 10, and this is something that is really important, and that is to make it fun. Education, learning should be fun. It needs to be fun. Learning a language is tough. If you've never tried, go and start trying and you'll see how quickly you get frustrated and overwhelmed. And that's only, I mean, that's like when I do it for half an hour, think of being in a a classroom all day long in a second language. We're asking our students to do a lot. So make it fun. Use songs, music, multimedia, games to bring in a multi-sensory approach when you're learning, when you're teaching English, because those are the things that are going to help it stick. I mean, how many of you can think of a high school Spanish song that just pops into your head as soon as you hear, you know, body parts in Spanish or something like that? It's just an, an instant thing where you they can connect to it. So have fun. Even when the stresses outside your classroom are making you feel overwhelmed or making you, you know, doubt yourself, Know that when you walk in your classroom, when you close that door, when you're working with that group in front of you, bring your best, be silly, have fun, show up for them with that smile on your face. And I promise you that they will respond, that they will continue to grow in their language journey and they are going to impact the world. So those are our top 10 ways to help support multilingual learners successfully. I'd love to know which one was stood out the most to you. You can share in the comments or let us know over on Instagram at Equipping ELLs. But I just, again, want to thank you for being a part of this journey for me of doing these podcast episodes. I am so grateful and thankful to you. 
I'm also super excited for where we're going over the next two months um, to finish out 2023. We are heading into vocabulary development. So stay tuned for next week when we kick off that new series on vocabulary. Thanks again, everybody, for joining me today. And I'll see you on the next 100 episodes. Thank you for joining me in today's episode. All links and resources mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you're looking for even more support and done-for-you resources created specifically for the needs of ELLs, head to inspiringyounglearners.com. I'll catch you here next week. Until then, take that next step to keep equipping your ELLs.